0: It's good to see you all this morning. Thanks for being here. You're kind of a long way out there from me. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe we should move this. If you're not going to come this way, maybe I'll go this way at some point. I don't know. We'll work on that. But anyway, I'm glad to see you and um, glad to see all of you here. If you're a guest with us this morning, we're especially glad that you're here and and we really um, desire that you experience the Lord's goodness um, through the praise and worship, through His Spirit, but also through. God's people here at First Baptist North. So welcome, welcome. We're really, really glad that you're here. And um, we're grateful today for God's word. And we've been making our way through Peter's first letter, First Peter. And I want to read uh, a portion of this letter just to kind of use it as a backdrop uh, for what we want to talk about uh, this morning. Um, if you'll go with me to verse 8 of First Peter chapter 1, and then we'll get to verse 17 in a moment. Uh, You love him even though you have never seen him. Peter's talking about Jesus Christ there. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. (laughs) The, The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. And they wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when He told them in advance about Christ's suffering and His great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven. And it is also wonderful that even the angels. Are eagerly watching these things happen. So think clearly, think straight. And this is Peter saying keep your head on straight as a result of all this and exercise some self control. Look forward to the grace of salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living. Just to satisfy your own desires, you didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Here's our passage. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. You must live in reverent fear of Him during your time as foreigners in the land. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom He paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose Him as your ransom long before the world began, but he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Today I want to talk to you about a couple of simple things. The first thing is prayer, and the second is reverence. Prayer is talking to God. Reverence is not provoking Him. You might be thinking, (laughs) I'm not sure we need an entire sermon on either of those two things. I understand, just bear with me. Peter is suggesting to these believers and to all of us that prayer and reverence are kindred spirits. They share a common reality. And that common reality is an impartial, gracious, heavenly God, Father. Someone to whom I pray. And entrust my deepest and sometimes, frankly, shallowest of concerns. And the reason I simply don't live any way I please, that's reverence. And so you see, both prayer and reverence assume that God is there. And at least he's good enough to approach and to entreat. And also that he is formidable and unpredictable enough not to take him for granted. And those are the two things I want us to talk about today. Prayer and reverence. Now take your scenario, whatever it might be, good or bad, challenging or joyful, whatever happens to be your experience today, whatever might be foremost on your mind or your heart. And ask yourself two fundamental questions. First of all, have you talked to God about it at any level? That's prayer. And second, is there anything in your life of which he would not be pleased and that may possibly have provoked him? You see, most of our lives can be measured for the most part, most of our Christian lives, I should say, can be measured for the most part by these two simple strands. How is my prayer life? How is yours? And to what degree am I afraid of God? Do I fear him? Do I live reverently, before him. Just think about it. Both answers, you see, however you would respond if you responded honestly, would reveal oceans about you and me and our relationship with the Heavenly Father. And perhaps explain much too about everything else. Those answers might, for instance, explain in someone's life the precipice on which they're dangling. (laughs) Or maybe begin to Give witness to a treasured, though mysterious, joyfulness that that you simply cannot explain. Prayer and reverence are kindred spirits. Peter says so here. This is a God, he says, after all, to whom you pray. And he is one who, who responds without playing favorites according to what you have done. And therefore, we ought to live in reverent fear of him. You see, he connects the two. Now, if you are not praying these days, I mean truly praying in dependence and humility and with a rigorous kind of regularity and with an undeniable understanding that you are fully and wholly wanting unless Father God speaks and moves and supplies or undertakes, then you are likely also not living in fear of Him. You see the connection? And there is little reverence to be seen in my life if I am not praying. The same though is if if I don't, if you don't genuinely fear God and care little of provoking Him by the way you live and by the way you act or by your will for persistence in unholy things or base activities or kind of petty ways then Peter would say, you are likely not praying. Now Peter, he was first called to follow Jesus. Peter, follow me, Jesus said. Leave all of that and follow me and I will make you into something. That was the the invitation. Follow me, Jesus said. And as a result of your following me, I am going to make you into something. I am the one who makes you. I am the way who ordains your life and transforms you and makes you into something I have called you to be. I will make you a fisher of men, he said to Peter. And he was given a new vision for his life. But Peter somehow, if you just read the Gospels, learned neither to pray nor to walk in fearful reverence of him. And he ended up losing it all. And he wound up kind of the world's most laughable, frankly, miserable characters and failures at the end. No, see, not, not until he was finally and comprehensively emptied of himself did he finally stay in Jerusalem and wait for the power. Well, then we see a different Peter. Only then did he become a true witness of living God. We, we never see Peter striking out on his own again after he received the power. It was all prayer and reverence from then on. And the world would never be the same. And so he writes to these believers, these discouraged believers, troubled believers who are struggling under the dress of persecution and all of these things, He, he writes, you see, with both a painful humility, but also a blazing authority when he urges us to call on a heavenly Father who judges impartially. That's prayer. And to live our lives as aliens in reverent fear of the one who ransomed us and redeemed us by the blood of his Son. That's reverence. Well, here's a question. When was the last time you prayed? I don't mean for a close parking spot, you know, at Walmart or something. I mean, when was the last time you called upon your heavenly Father? Prayed. Not with your agenda in view, but but seeking him. When was the last time you asked the Lord over the course of several days or weeks or months for wisdom so you could make a decision or move down a certain right path or to know how to respond to someone or how to really help your children? When was the last time you asked Him to help you, just to undertake for you or to go before you or to deliver you from that kind of relentless, deliberating, debilitating temptation the last time I just helped him to ask him to help me talk, <laughs> just to ask, ask God to give you the courage to speak. When was the last time you prayed? Does your mate, do your children watch you and experience your prayer life? The essence of prayer, the essence of faith, Peter says, is prayer. Because of faith, I pray, I call upon God the Father. I pray because I believe Father God is there and that he is impartial, faithful, merciful, and good. This is really quite foundational and even sublime. Christian, believer, when have you prayed? Also, Peter would say, are you living in such a manner as a result of this that you have a mind Of God, a mindfulness of God. In in other words, are you at all or in any measure provoking him? Or are you living your life mindful and passionately submissive to his ways and to his commands? You see, the only way to fear God and live in reverence before him is to obey his precepts and to accomplish his word. That's the only way. You can only know those precepts. You can only accomplish and obey them by receiving them from the scriptures. So that's the corresponding question. Are you reading, are you reveling in, are you gloriously and wildly meditating on the words of life every, no, each and every day, absorbing into your life the truths of the scriptures, Finding commands and committing to obey them so that you cannot and will not run the risk of provoking this gracious, impartial God. Jonah is the classic tale. This prophet who heard from God and didn't pray, he just went his own way. He actually heard from God and responded out of his own willfulness. And he provoked the Lord. He provoked the Lord to such a degree that the scripture says the Lord God hurled a storm at him. He he just literally launched a, a, a cataclysmic weather event upon Jonah who happened to be on a ship in the Mediterranean Sea. that's That's what God did in response to Jonah, determining not to pray and not to walk and live in reverent fear of him. God was provoked and he moved. He hurled a storm at Jonah. And now, in the midst of that, of course, we do see prayer and reverence. It just happened to not be from Jonah. It was from the sailors on that boat. The scripture says they prayed, they got religion, These were seasoned, experienced merchant sailors. And they knew unless something supernatural intervened, they were going to perish. And so the scripture says they called on the Lord God and they feared him. See the connection? Prayer and reverence go hand in hand. And Jonah said, yep. That's my God. Toss me in a drink and this is going to go better for you guys. So (laughs) they didn't waste any time. (laughs) They picked him up and threw him overboard. The seas went calm. And guess what? Jonah sinks like a rock to the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea. These prophets were not taught to swim. They lived in the desert. He's drowning. Jonah chapter 3 is guess what? The whole chapter. His prayer. Here's when Jonah prays. He called out to God to save his neck. But you see this connection. Both prayer and fear of God are found in the ferocious, joyful, complicated, mysterious rhythms of what God has given to us. David, this great shepherd king, says this. Listen to this. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This is reverence. David is saying, as brilliant and genius and unbelievably talented as this, uh, this individual was, David is declaring, I dare not take even a single step in my life without it being guided by the light of your word. That's reverence. You are not guiding, informing, and forming each step of your day, each response, each priority, each passion, each affection. By the word of God, you risk wandering directionless and perhaps in darkness and even, even perchance, provoking this impartial, gracious, holy God. Now, let's face it. All the world is a stage... And we can pretend to pray or to live reverently and can become quite adept at it. Before people, certainly you can, most mas- masterfully in, in some regards. I, you can go days, even weeks, months even without really praying I mean, really acknowledging the Lord's word or bringing yourself in submission to it. You can do that. And quite frankly, no one around you would even suspect it. But they are not the audience, says Peter. Because you you are to pray to a God, a Father, who is impartial. And does not play favorites. And judges all people according to what you have done. Not to who you are, not to what your address is, or how much education you have, or how financially secure you are, or how cool you are, or how many friends you have, or how much stuff you have, or how far you can throw a ball or kick a ball, or how fast, it just doesn't matter. This God to whom we pray this God whom we fear is a God who has no favorites. He looks at your life and he looks at my life and he makes a call based on what we've done. And this is the one who matters most because of what it cost him. And Peter says... You know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and the ransom He paid was not mere gold or silver. He didn't buy you with money. He bought you with blood, the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but he has now revealed him to you in these last days. The Apostle Paul says the same thing. He says, your body, your body does not belong to you. <laughs> you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. That's reverend. Are you glorifying God in your body? Are you praying about the kind of relationships that you're in and that you're forging and that you're investing in? Do you bring those ever before the Lord? Are you honoring and walking in fear and reverence before Him with your own physical body? Or are you pretty much doing whatever you please with it? This is a reminder. Peter is saying to these believers, and he's saying to us most pointedly, remember, he says, that the heavenly Father to whom you pray, he's assuming you're praying, and you're praying to this God who has no favorites, and he will judge you and reward you according to what you do not how you, not 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 anything else but what you do, and you must live in reverent fear of him, of him during your time as foreigners in this land. Prayer, you see, and reverence go hand in hand. Yesterday. Um, was a fairly routine day until the phone rang for me, and Jenny Wilson was on the other line. And she said, "Pastor, uh, Maxine Shirley, uh, who was a longtime uh, member of this congregation, she said Maxine Shirley is back in the hospital and she's very ill. She's in ICU, and the family wanted you to know. She said I'm going to be going up there, and and Jenny was very faithful." as Maxine has um, kind of diminished uh, physically over the last um, several months to to just be there by her side. And so I said, listen, Jenny, I can't get there right now, but I will get there certainly uh, by day's end. And so Jenny did go, I know, and spent some time with Maxine up there at Union Hospital. And so (coughs) shortly after the noon hour, I, uh, or a little later, uh, early afternoon, I, I made my way up to Union Hospital and got up to the second floor of the ICU and I came around the corner in that in that room, and and there was sweet Maxine just laying in that hospital bed in ICU, and and she was all alone, and the monitors were, were were doing their job and and just kind of humming and beating methodically, just beep, beep, and she was breathing. She was struggling so to just take every breath, and she was just kind of lying there with with her eyes open and. Um, she wasn't really acknowledging me, but I—I I, I think uh, she could she could uh, hear my voice. And so I just kind of took her hand, and I leaned down as close to her as possible, just to kind of get near her ear. So i, I, I was hoping and, and 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 believing that she could hear me and i just i spoke aloud to her psalm 23 the lord is my shepherd i i shall not want he 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 makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters he restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake and even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I I went through the whole psalm. And then I kind of leaned down. I said, Maxine, did you remember that psalm? you remember that psalm? And she didn't really respond. And and then I I said, John 14, let not your hearts be troubled, but believe in God. Believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go there to prepare a place for you, so that where I am, there you may be also. And I, I just spoke that into her ears. Then I said, Maxine, do you remember that bird? remember that passage in the New Testament remember that and she didn't really respond I think I spoke another psalm, Psalm 46 I just kind of held her hand and she was breathing she was still kind of breathing heavy but her, her eyes were open and then I just I just sang a little chorus when the roll is called up yonder we don't sing that in this earth, maybe we should I'll be there I just sang it into her ears and I said Maxine do you remember that old song And I sang face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, what will it be? So Maxine, do you remember that chorus? Then I sang Amazing Grace. And then she turned and she looked at me. And she closed her eyes. She went to sleep. And it wasn't an hour later, she just slipped into the Lord's presence, took her last breath, and she was gone. This, this woman, who most of you probably didn't even know, who lived all her days, not famous, not perfect, not prominent, but just praying to a Heavenly Father who was always impartial, who lived and walked in reverent fear of Him. And at that moment, the moment that I could not see, but that was more real than anything I could possibly imagine when she stood before God, (laughs) is there anything else that really mattered? I still had a full day ahead of me. I drove from the hospital, I was kind of heading north to the church on Lafayette, and I just I just pulled my car over to the side of the road and and I I just talked to the Lord and I asked him to forgive me for being so petty and selfish and for all the ways I live so independently of him. And then I asked him to make me more like Maxine. I'm really convinced we make this Christian life thing a whole lot more complicated than it was ever designed to be. And Peter says. Talk to me about your prayer life. And correspondingly, talk to me about how you're living. Because I think both are going to tell us really where your heart is. God, thank you for Maxine Shirley. Thank you for her life. Obscure, unknown, perhaps. Quiet, simple. Profoundly honoring to you. Lord, teach us to pray. Compel us to live and to walk humbly and reverently before you. Put your gracious finger on anything in my life, in our lives, Lord, that is dishonoring to you. And then remove it. And cause us to stand before you. Humble and pure and holy and good for you. We ask it through Christ our Lord and for his sake. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.